Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shed. This week is a double feature. We are covering Renfield and Summoning Sylvia. Sorry to interrupt. Are you okay? I need to get out of a toxic relationship. Why don't you start by telling us what brought you here? My boss, he's different. You can't get him out of your head. No. I need your assistance. I'm coming, Master! Oh, you feel like he could destroy you with the snap of his fingers. Wouldn't even need to snap. Okay. Uh-huh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, what? Renfield. Bring in innocent victims. I want a handful of nuns, a busload of cheerleaders. And I just want a normal life again. But this modern world is a dangerous place. No, 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 no. Thank you. You saved my life. Did I watch you cut a guy's arms off with a decorative serving platter? It's in the wrist. Let me explain. My boss gave me this power. In return, I tend to his needs, including care, feeding. You bring him people to eat? You're like the guy that gets the villain's postmates. But if you were to stop focusing on his needs, what would happen? He won't grow to full power. Exactly. He won't grow to full power. What? That's so weird. Why would you phrase it like that? But yes. Hi. Are you here for the meeting? Well, come on. No! Um, no! Some call me the Dark One. Others, the Lord of Death. To most, I am Baracula. Okay, obviously we're dealing with a little bit more than just narcissism here. Now, let's eat. We're back. <laughs> that was a short little break, our intro. Always want to dance to the intro. <laughs> so Renfield, we saw over the weekend. And let me just start off. We always keep this to the end, but I'm just going to skip forward. It's first of all, this is going to be a spoiler cast for both. And I give it four knives. Yeah, me too. It's it's a lot of fun. It is so much fun. This is exactly how you should do something that has a long history. Invisible Man kind of mixed it with Sleeping uh, sleeping with the Enemy, but Invisible Man kind of bought it back to modern times, but it still maintained 
the the story, you know, the main things about the Invisible Man. Yeah. This same thing. They took all the things we know about Dracula for the most part, you know, Dracula, Renfield, even down to, and this is where the spoilers come, even down to the shot of when Renfield is discussing, he's telling the story of how he met Dracula, and then they cut to a black and white meeting, (laughs) which is based on the 1931 Dracula with Bela Lugosi, of him meeting Renfield, who was a real estate agent. That's literally the whole point. Yeah. They took all of those things and they created a new story with it and went past the story because now, obviously, they've been together since all that time and him and Renfield have, you know, been in that relationship. Now, obviously, in the novel and in the Bram Stoker's Dracula movie that came out in the 90s, Renfield doesn't make it. He gets he gets killed, but they kind of maintained a piece of that, but they kind of reversed it in the end, which we'll get to that. But I mean, and Nicolas Cage, what a comeback. I mean, I've been loving everything he's been doing in the last couple of years, you know, things that have happened in all the movies that maybe people didn't care for that came out. He literally had to to pay off you know, what his brother-in-law, whatever it was, one of his family members ripped him off, the accountant. So he's had to, and also he has, you know, he's been a terrible spender. He was a terrible spender of money buying islands, buying weird, you know, the first issue of Superman or whatever it was. He still owns some castles. Yeah. I think, when you, I think anytime you can say I own multiple castles, you may have had a little bit of a spending problem. <laughs> <laughs> one castle, yeah, okay, you're fine. When you say I own castles, yeah, you might have a problem. They expanded upon the strength that Renfield got, gets from eating the insects. Yeah, you they know. turned that into straight on like superhero powers for him. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, everything about the movie, I was never bored. I was always waiting for the next thing. I mean, you can't even, for those that think, oh, Nicolas Cage, he over, you know, he oversells or overacts and it's just to the point where it's ridiculous. This is where this was needed. And I don't think that he, I think he was just his version of Dracula. Yeah. You know, and he did a fantastic job. You know, the nails and the dentures that they made for Cage were actually 3D printed. That's kind of cool if they can start doing that kind of stuff now. Yeah, isn't that fucking wild? Like, they did, like, a whole, like, his bust and everything to, like, get the molds and stuff. And just, and then it's a mix of practical and CGI to some degree, um, which makes it look way better than just going the direct route of just doing it all CGI, which we've... Which we said. Did I say CG or CGI? I think yeah, I said CG. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, did you have a favorite moment in the film? Or oh, and then let's. We, I kind of jumped the gun because I'm so excited about the film. We forgot everything. Obviously, came out this year. Uh, it's still in theaters, so go watch it. Um, it has Nicolas Cage as Dracula, Nicholas Holt, who I thought was a vampire on the way in real life on the way. 
uh, when we were leaving the theater, we were discussing the film. I was like, oh my gosh, I have like been obsessed with this actor for like over 20 years. How could he look still this young? Oh, because he literally was a, a teenager when I first encountered him in Skins. So yes, he, and he's been in a crap ton of, I mean, obviously he was Beast and X-Men. He's He's been on a lot of things. He's, you know, doing Including that. Including been in a movie with Nicolas Cage in the past when he was a teenager. So that's got to be weird for them now. Yeah. Hey, remember when I was a teenager in your movie? Yeah. So it, it's just great to see him um, on the big screen. And I, I'm just obsessed with him. So he's in the film. We have Aquafina in the film as well. And, you know, everyone does their part. And There's a couple other people that we like to... Uh, Playing one of the uh, members of the gang that got, ends up getting into a fight with Renfield is Ben Swartz from Parts and Rick. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> John Ralphio. John Ralphio! And we also have uh, Brandon Scott Jones from the new series uh, Ghosts. Uh, he plays the uh, Confederate, uh, not Confederate, uh, Civil War Ghost. Not Civil Why am I keep saying the wrong thing? Revolutionary War Ghost. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> There's just too many wars. There's too many wars to keep up with. Yeah, he plays the Revolutionary War Ghost that uh, is stuck in the house. It's been there, the ghost in the house for like 500 years now. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and that show. And he does, I mean, like I said, everyone, everyone's part that they played in here is great. The mother of... Uh, um, what's his face from Parks and Rec? Yeah, is Teddy Lobo. <laughs> yes, Teddy Lobo. Which the side of his car has a wolf snorting cocaine, and it's like I, I like I'm not supposed to love this, but yet it is fucking hilarious. Yeah, he really is kind of playing John Ralphio as a drug dealer gang member. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I need more John Ralphio in my life because I love that actor, and I find him to be freaking hilarious. So, did you have, did you know what you were getting into going into the film? I mean, we kind of did because Nicolas Cage was attached. So, we already know, okay. And, you know, from the trailers, you get like a a small taste. But I had no idea, like, how, the movie's very graphic. There's, it's a... Yeah, it earns its R rating. Oh, heck yeah, it does. (laughs) And I can totally understand from what you said, like... Like, you know, like kids wanting to like sneak in to see this, like kind of like a John Wick kind of situation yeah. where you have the young, you know, under the, you know. Under age. You're gonna That's the only problem with movies like this when they get released in the theaters. They lose a lot of business because a lot of the people that want to see them are under 17 and can't make it into it. So there's always people that end up giving uh, business to something weird like, oh, uh air or something suddenly does a huge business that weekend they're like oh yeah because half the people buying tickets for air were sneaking into uh john wick or uh you know renfield or something like that which i always find hilarious yeah these younger generations are kind of spoiled because they i mean i don't want to say spoiled but they they can go when they can see if they can do like illegal streaming obviously depending on how old they are they can maybe find this but like i loved back in the day where it's like, okay, you couldn't see the movie yet. It does lose business. But I feel like it movie means even more to me if I go and I try to find, like, maybe the friend that was able to get, like, a bootleg. Or I don't know. I know I shouldn't be saying that because it's like, oh, okay, that's not good. But, like, you know, when you were younger, there were movies you couldn't watch. And, like, trying to, like, find a way to watch them was, like, kind of fun. It was kind of like a scavenger hunt kind of thing. 
you know so anyways so yes go ahead you may finish <laughs> i kind of jumped in there with the with the uh, whole thing because i'm just so pumped about this movie i would love to see it again yeah but we were talking about how graphic it was yeah, like I said, it, it definitely earns the R rating. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of body parts ripped off. A lot of people explode. Uh, there's faces ripped off. They, they don't skimp on the violence or the gore. And I always enjoy that in a movie when they just go full out on it. They don't play around at all. This is just every five seconds somebody's blowing up. Arms are ripped off. You know, Dracula turns to a smoke, flies down inside someone, then blows them up. Which is kind of funny because one of the characters in it that this something terrible happens to is William Ragsdale from Fright Night is playing a character in this who has a bad run-in with Dracula. Yeah, he does. And it <laughs> was guy a guy can't catch a break. He's always having to fight vampires. It was an awesome little cameo. I have to say that we noticed that during the credits because, one, it is a kind of a fast scene. But to me, like... In my mind, William Ragsdale is still how how he looks in Fright Night, or closer to how I last saw him was was a couple of years ago when I saw him at the horror convention. You know what I mean? He's not like a really super old dude in they also my have mind. Kind of made up in this too. So yeah, yeah. Makeup and everything on. So, so I kind of, we kind of missed him. I would like to see it again just so I can see him clearer. You know, and know like oh that's him. But yeah, it was a, a cool cameo, nevertheless, that he was in there. Um, so there's obviously a, a Fright Night fan. Yeah. Robert Kirkman or someone associated with this is uh, definitely into Fright Night. You know, the Renfield going to these meetings of, you know, being a codependent and Renfield kind of, kind of in like how the way like the novels, like a diary, right? Yeah. So this was Renfield's diary so to speak. It kind of had like, I don't want to say vampire diary vibes, but how in like that first season, there was a little bit of like that narration of like what's going on, you know, what you're writing in your diary kind of thing. It's him kind of explaining like his journey through the story of, you know, being codependent to Dracula, trying to break that codependence to become more dependent. And then like the transition of that. But unfortunately, obviously, you know that you can't escape Dracula. Like there's nothing you no matter how many fucking insects he was going to eat, he was never going to be able to battle him to some degree, obviously, you know, even though what happens in the end happens in the end. But even in that, from the original story, how, you know, in the film, like in Bram Stoker's Dracula, Renfield kind of like gained like a consciousness and try to help Mina and try to like help that situation and, and like fought Dracula. And that's where it like stays still with, the main points of the original thing where Renfield does fight Dracula, but in, in those adaptations, Renfield dies. Yeah, he dies pretty quickly. But so. in this one, turn the table, it's Dracula who technically doesn't die, but is kind of in like a pause moments. Yeah, they kind of show where he has to go through uh, periods where he has to kind of Spends a long time healing because he gets hurt so badly. They say it's kind of a pattern. They go somewhere. They stay there for a while. The vampire hunters find them. And then they have to start over because, you know, Dracula gets hurt so badly with the vampire hunters. They got to find a new place. He has to lay low while he heals up. They show, you know, Nicolas Cage kind of looking like a little bit like a skeleton at one point where he's like, I'm not doing well. <laughs> he's like all burned yeah, up. Yeah, it's that. really gross, like what he looks like. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's really funny because 
you think like like Robert Kirkman was like he didn't want to create something that was going to be like a sequel or a series, you know, from past experiences. He just wanted this to be a one off and kind of like decided to like close end the story. But at the same time, I'm like, but did you though? Because you didn't technically kill Dracula. He's not technically finalized. He's just. <laughs> Well, I mean, and little little pieces cubed <laughs> somewhere. I said, "Well, they even said he could might make it back together, but it would be a very long time." Yeah, so a very long time, so an infinite amount of time. It may be a thousand years. Wink. There's not going to be a sequel. So there's not going to be a sequel to this. If you were hoping there would be a sequel, I love uh, the part of the movie. I love is the transition when Nicholas Holt goes from like really poorly dressed because you know obviously he's a slave. So he, 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 you know, he's under the thumb of Dracula. He's not out at the gap, like shopping for clothes. He is wearing like some tattered suits, very holy clothes, like terrible. And his transition of like redefining himself. Where they're like, please, they tell him at the group uh, there, please cut your hair. Please clean up from under those nails. Do something for yourself, man. You look terrible. They show him going, like you said, he's going to Macy's to buy clothes. He's getting bright sweaters. and It's all, his whole apartment, his whole new look is like pastel colors. And I was all about Nicholas Holt in these pastel colors. I was just like, oh my gosh. And his whole apartment's covered in uh, motivational posters. The cheesy, like, ones you see hanging up at the uh, office buildings that everyone hates. He's he covers his whole apartment in those posters about determination, success, and all this. He's definitely trying to get away from Dracula, you know. And uh, it's just hilarious because he goes so over the top with it. So it's a definite fun watch. You should totally check it out um, right now. Just pause the podcast and just go watch it and then come back. Yeah, go check Renfield out and then come back. And then you can see how much you agree with us. <laughs> now our next film is Summoning Sylvia. So now that I've warmed up. Wait, where are you? Oh, let the Bachelor Weekend come The boys brought me upstate to this epic haunted house. Like people actually died here. Her upstate? Oh, it's spooky. Tell him the legend. Widow and mad woman discovered dead after murdering son. I need a name. Sylvia? Sylvia! Sylvia! Babe, what about my brother? What if Harrison came here? Guys. This is Jamie's brother. He's gonna be joining us for the weekend. You're all gay. <coughs> Let me think! <laughs> he has a knife! <gasps> Sylvia! There are four magnificent queens in this house. And she's not done yet. None of this was on the schedule. This film uh, it is directed by Wesley uh, Taylor and Alex Wise. It was released uh, Mar on your birthday, actually, on March yeah, it came 31st. Out, it, came, yeah, it came out the end of March. Um, we had the pleasure of reviewing, of uh, 
getting a, a, a what is screener. it called? A screener. I was going to say a streamer. A screamer. Get <laughs> it? A screamer. And, you know, it's it's a bunch of best friends um, who head upstate for a long getaway at a haunted house. And the, one of them is celebrating um, his bachelorette. Um, party. The cast has uh, Frankie Grand, Michael Yuri, who many of you probably seen in like Single All the Way, and Ugly Betty, um, Camden Garcia, Nicholas Logan. Um, there's a bunch of Travis Coles. He was in Superstore. Yes. There's a lot of people you recognize from character parts and different things. Yes. And it's a gay bachelor party. And they head upstate. They're gonna take the uh, uh, they're gonna take the main guy, Larry. The uh, the you know he's getting married, so they're taking him upstate, and they're gonna have his bachelor party inside a haunted house that they've rented out for the weekend. And his fiance, as you said, is played by Michael Yuri, calls him up and says, "Hey, you were supposed to spend time with my brother this weekend. Did you forget about that?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I did." So he just invites the brother. Oh, just have the brother come up for the weekend with us. The brother who is straight. And is just back from the military. Of course, has nothing in common with any of these people whatsoever. Comes up there and he could not be more out of place and more uncomfortable. And they could not be more uncomfortable around him. So then they're stuck in the house with him. And he arrives just after they've done their first seance to try and contact the ghost. Who is rumored to have killed her son and buried him somewhere in the backyard. So then uh, that's when everything kind of starts to get weird and they start to get freaked out that there might be a ghost there. Then they're also a little worried that, you know, they're not fitting in with the brother, that he, there's a lot of tension between him and all the, you know, all the friends. So that's when things get really wild for him. And it just kind of escalates there into a crazy, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, a screwball comedy, a little bit of a, you know, it reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff that goes on, like in Scary Movie and stuff like that. It gets really crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say, I would say this is more of a horomedy, you know? It yeah, is. It, it, it's more comedy than horror, I yes. would say. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's a comedy with a few horror elements to it, but it's not a full-on horror comedy kind of thing, like uh, some of the ones we've talked about before, like Deadstream or something like... Uh, uh, I'm completely blanking on everything right yeah, now. Yeah, but those kind of movies. So it is an LGBTQ-friendly um, movie. You know, you have the group of the celebrating the, for the bachelorette party. And it is a fish-out-of-water story. The yeah. fish-out-of-water being the brother who's Harrison in the film. Yeah. Harrison, you know, is coming into this situation. Um, he There are moments where the film kind of underline and addresses some things in a very not like waving in your face but um the one part that i kind of got like really sad where i shouldn't say sad but i was like oh you know this is kind of like you know this is uh brothers coming in to the situation you know the fiance doesn't really want to tell the friends he never tells them it's kind of like yeah, like they, he said surprise, surprise he's here when he knocks on the doors when they're finished just finishing up the seance and they get the health scared out of him because they think it's the ghost yeah they think it's a ghost <laughs> and then they think it's a stripper 
<laughs> and they start all dancing on top of him. Now, the brother doesn't react in a negative way. He's just silent and just, like, letting the moment pass over. He kind of looks kinda like, just, oh, kinda... what did I kind of, like, get into right now kind of situation. Because, you know, he yeah. didn't know. But the scene where um, the fiancé, you know, gets off the phone with um, Jamie, Michael Yuri's character... And he had been wearing eye blue sh- blue eyeshadow this whole time. And since he knows that the brother's already on the way, like he's already in transit, he wipes off the blue eyeshadow. Yeah, so even starts- in that part, it's like he can't truly be himself around the brother coming in because he doesn't really know him like that. And like, it's awkward. He doesn't feel you know? comfortable being who he is around. Yeah, him. which is sad. Yeah, and it just kind of escalates from there. You know, it starts off a little slow with a little bit of tension between them. You know, they can all kind of laugh off the whole thing about the stripper and that. But then he starts to make comments about the friends. And, you know, the friend tries to, uh, I'm sorry, Larry, he tries to kind of bond with the brother a little bit by saying, you know, things like, oh, yeah, they, you know, they are a little much sometimes. And then that gets overheard and that causes problems because everyone's the guy's like, Oh, I'm too much. I I cause problems. I, you know, it, it becomes the standard thing of the thing you would normally have in the movies where it's just a bunch of, uh, you know, like straight people going up there and they have the, you know, the wild and crazy, you know, party girl or party guy or whatever. They think they just kind of flip it a little bit by having all the characters in this be gay. So it's a little bit different twist on it. And, the more they start to investigate like the house and start looking around at what they think the ghost, you know, is doing and why the ghost is in there, they start to find out things like they find some books and pictures and find out that the woman, uh, they start to think, well, she must have killed the son because he was gay because they find a picture of the son with his boyfriend. Mm. It's one of the, the way the picture was folded in the book, you could have held it up and it was just one guy. But when you take it out and open it up, you see there's another guy like moving, like holding his hand very close in that. So they get really upset because they're like, oh, God, here, she just killed this uh, guy because he was gay. And, you know, he's buried in the backyard somewhere. And that's why she's haunting us now. So, yeah. And uh, things get kind of weird after that. But there is a little bit of a twist to it at the end that is turns out to be pretty funny. And the, uh, the end of it is, uh, I'll say it has a pretty happy ending for everyone, if not a little surprising for some people. But, yeah, it was a fun watch. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun to watch, you know, to see um, this community like have like a film because it's not really it's either just a one off character, you know, um, that's just a side character, you know. So it was great to see like a horror comedy like this and how there could be misunderstandings and, you know, but they're clarified because of the situation that they're in. It's not really that way or the other. They finally like, you know, resolve those things. And then, you know, you have the characters just be stronger at the end, Yeah, you know, and well-informed and it, the twist like kind of brings it all into like, Oh, okay. You know, there we go. We had only these crumbs and everyone, the assumption of these things. Yeah, they also find out they kind of made some poor assumptions as it went along, too. Exactly. So just to get the fish out of water, like getting to know one another, kind of being, you know, in that scenario. So I give the film um, two and a half knives. Yeah, I'd say two and a half to three. I'll I'll say three just to give it a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Yeah, okay. I, I too, you know, it does have its things. It's it's a little short. I mean, it's not going to be a three hour film. We're not. Yeah. It's not. We're not in a Marvel universe. But I wish there were some more 
like some more meat to it. Yeah, it is. A, it is a pretty breezy watch. It's only about seventy four minutes, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it does feel pretty short, but I feel like this is the kind of thing that'll end up being on TV with commercials. It'll run out to a full like an hour and a half, two hour movie, and you won't notice the difference probably. Yeah, everyone played their part really well, and like like we said, it was a fun watch, and we really enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing you know what else um, comes from this uh, screenwriter and director. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode or double feature of Jump Scare the Horror Podcast. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.